And good morning. Welcome to Byline Mendocino. I'm Alicia Bales, your host this morning. Byline Mendocino is a local media roundtable that comes to you every first and third Friday of the month from 9 to 10 a.m., alternating with Forthright Radio and Joy LeClaire. And I focus on local news, local news reporting, and local newsmakers. This morning, we're going to talk about what else but the storm. Specifically, we're going to talk about storm reporting with three of the most experts, local storm reporters that I know, the people that I go to, to rel- that I rely on religiously when bringing you local storm news as it's happening. We're going to speak with Danila Sands of Mendocino Action News, Lauren Schmidt of KMUD News, and uh, Kate Fishman of the Mendocino Voice, all of whom were busy over this this crazy wet week, bringing us the latest information to keep us safe and warm and dry. Uh, let us know what's happening with the power situation, with flooding, with roads. So welcome. Right now we have Danila and Lauren on the line. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Lauren. Danila, do we have you? Oh, there you are. Okay. Welcome to you both. I'm actually... Um, so, so happy to have you both on the air because I feel like I spend a lot of time with you both <laughs> in our, in our jobs as, um, as local reporters and, uh, co- covering these unfolding sort of weather events. It's been a while as we've been in this pervasive drought since we've been covering flooding. We've had a lot of practice bringing information to people about fires and fire evacuations and aftermath. But um, but this one, this was about flooding. And actually, in the second half of the show, Lauren's going to stay on the line, and we're going to talk about her remarkable coverage of the Humboldt County earthquake that happened on December 20th, the 6.4 magnitude earthquake. So it's going to be a full hour of, um, of, of talking about emergency reporting, uh, but we're also going to hear more from Lauren about what's going on up there with with, with that, with the aftermath of the earthquake. So um, let's just jump into it. Let's start with you, Danila. You are sort of tirelessly on Mendocino Action News, um, posting updates on your Facebook page about everything going on around Mendocino County. What was your experience of the storm this week? Yeah, it was wild, as many predicted in the you know, national weather alerts and the sheriff's departments, everybody kind of put a big warning out to everybody. And most people heeded that warning, which was nice at less traffic on the road. However, there were still some people that had to be on the road, either checking things out or had to go to work. Um, and then there were some, you know, traffic accidents, flooding on roadways and lots and lots and lots of trees, all different sizes falling on roads. So some were taking longer than others. Um, some were tangled in wires or communication lines, and many are still without power. Um, there was even a sinkhole in the Willits area that is still there and getting bigger, which, you know, has sort of trapped 40 residents that do not have access with a car, only a footpath that only some can use. So it's definitely caused some damage, um, not to mention the trees into houses and on cars. I think we counted four or five at least. Yeah, it did look like throughout the county, there were a number of trees into houses. That sounds just awful. Um, do you know anything about the status of, of those situations? Did pe- were, were houses actually destroyed or were the, the trees able to be cleared with, with without much damage? I think each one's a little different. Some were on carports, while some were into houses or garages. 
Um, I did hear on scanner traffic and other reports that some people were taking matters in their own hands as a homeowner and, uh, you know, cutting the tree up and using their friends and other resources to, uh, you know, make sure that it got cleared up while other people have had to uh, seek other housing. We did have um, road closures on several highways. 175, I think, might even still be closed. Um, Highway 1 was closed in multiple places along the south coast all the way up to Albion. And Highway 128 was closed by multiple trees down as well. Uh, And our operations director, Rich Culbertson, actually was on his way home from the station when the big tree across the road came down and there was a group of folks there who were working together to clear that. And I think they were the last people to get through along that stage of the highway. So there were um, lots of people who were prepared for the storm with tools in their trucks and things like that who were able to um, to help with those efforts. Like you said, people relying on neighbors and friends and um, in, in Rich's case, strangers on the highway. Um, Lauren, how about you? What was your experience of the storm? You're up in Humboldt oh, County. And you know, it's portions of southern Humboldt, uh, kind of the north Mendocino coast, uh, that really faced the brunt of this storm. However, the National Weather Service in Eureka, which monitors um, all the way down uh, to Ukiah, um, basically from Del Norte, Crescent City to Ukiah, and we actually, we, we beat you guys. We had the highest wind gust um, that reached 94 miles per hour. So needless to say, things are all over the place. Um, what the happens community- with a wind gust that powerful? And where was the 94? I saw that there was something equivalent to that in Branscombe. Branscombe made the National Weather Service website for, so, you know, shout out to the metropolis of Branscombe in central Mendocino County. But where was your 94 mile per hour wind? So that area we is near what we call Cape Mendocino. We stole your name. It's not actually in Mendocino County. Cape Mendocino is on the Lost Coast, uh, which is kind of in between uh, Petrolia and Shelter Cove by that lighthouse there. So wind gusts were, were extreme, you know, solar panels, trees, um, just kind of chaos everywhere. I know I spoke with Shelter Cove Volunteer Fire Department and uh, the chief of Fort Bragg, volunteer fire yesterday evening and they they don't know what their record for calls for service and you know a 24-hour period is but they said in in modern history um this was one for for the books right um both responding to just under 30 calls within a 24-hour period um and you know these are volunteer departments who you know these folks men and women have real jobs and families that they're also worried about who were, you know, out there really facing um, these horrible conditions. I know the South Coast Fire Protection District, um, big shout out to them. I didn't actually get to speak with them, but following them on social media, they were, you know, out there removing trees, getting folks, uh, helping to clear the roads, which uh, I'm happy to report. I'm currently on quickmap.dot.ca.gov, and I'm not seeing any current impactful closures um, in those areas, right? Highway 1 had multiple closures due to trees, um, Highway 20, Highway 128, all of them, right? And as of nine ten this morning, I believe they are all clear. And that's amazing. That is incredible that people were able to clear that that magnitude 
of debris and trees down and power lines. Um, Kate Fishman of the Mendocino Voice, welcome. Uh, you were out on the roads on the coast uh, documenting what was going on during the sort of the most intense parts of the storm. Um, can you talk about what you saw on the Mendocino coast? Yeah, I mean, every every kind of beach and, and part of coastline had a slightly different thing going on. I was especially running around a bunch around high tide and so got to see some of those biggest waves and, and highest water that we got yesterday. Um, in the harbor in particular, uh, they didn't have any kind of extreme impactful flooding that I saw when I was there yesterday morning, but the water was extremely high. Um, and I think around 6 a.m. off of Point Arena, a buoy rec- recorded wave heights of 33.1 feet. So that's really high. That's really big, um, even for here. And it was definitely uh, definitely a concern for harbor staff who were really kind of racing around to different businesses, different boats, making sure everything was locked down, making sure boats didn't fill with rain and then sink was um was a big priority in the storm. And then, of course, and the harbor master Anna Newman explained this to me, that because they were then going to lose so much water as it was moving toward low tide, that would be a big concern as well, because debris could be pulled out of the harbor pretty quickly. I think she said it was going to be around seven feet loss of water as the tides fluctuated yesterday. But today, predictions were were about half that, I think, in terms of wave height. So should hopefully be out of uh, at least the issues from this storm. Um, and then, of course, the next one is on the way. Sure. And, yeah, we'll talk about that in a moment. There is another storm that is predicted to come through this weekend and then ongoing storms through next week as well. So each of these is sort of a cumulative effect as we have saturated soils and um, uh, flooded waterways. And um, But I want to just stay on the, the effect on the coast for a second because, uh, and inland, I just crossed the Russian river here, uh, coming out to Talmadge and the whole landscape looks different. I mean, when you, the, the effect of the water, it's sort of receded a little bit now, like you said, um, and the beaches, the waterways are incredibly impacted. Can you describe, um, how this storm changed our beaches and waterways from what, from what you've seen? Yes, I um, <laughs> I feel like I I would struggle to do it justice. But yesterday, looking at Big River Beach, particularly in Mendocino, it was just these at high tide. It was just these puddles of kind of like brown, white foam, standing water all over what would normally be, you know, like large lengths of sand that people walk all around on, and uh, tons of debris, big trees, big branches, just kind of all over the place. And some of that, um, just after New Year's, I had been out there and seen some of that that was clearly from the king tides that we had at the end of December, but a lot more added yesterday. And then as um, high tide happened and started to recede, a lot of that debris did get pushed up the beach, which um, at least to someone who goes to that beach a lot, uh, I was happy to see because it, it started to look a little bit more normal. Um, and I was like, oh, thank God, it's not, it's not just going to be covered in debris forever. Um, but yeah, really wild ocean out there. And the river was, was so much larger than normal. Um, at Van Dam by me, also the waves were at points reaching Highway 1 and kind of, you know, hanging out there for a second and pulling back. Um, so that was definitely, 
a little bit shocking as well. And that's obviously, you know, a big thoroughfare for people. Right. I saw a photo of Van Damme with a a large down tree in the parking lot. And you're just kind of in awe of the power and the strength uh, that could just, you know, float a a huge tree up into the parking lot. There was also a report of uh, a wave that was so large that it busted into the Point Cabrillo lighthouse and flooded the lighthouse and broke some windows there. And if you've ever been out there in Casper, that's up on some cliffs. Like that's not, that's pretty high up above the ocean. So to think that the ocean was that powerful, that it was coming up onto the Point Cabrillo lighthouse cliffs. Um, And also some images of Navarro beach, uh, completely gone in the parking area, gone as though Navarro River flowed down and met um, met the ocean there. It's all water. I don't know if it's it's probably receded by now a bit, but um, it's just remarkable to see what the water does to the landscape. And so, Danila, let's talk to you about um, there was a lot of reporting as we entered into this storm. And there's so much hyperbolic coverage everywhere on every subject uh, through social media and through, you know, all of the different media sources about how extreme things are. And we had a storm around New Year's that was supposed to be super, super terrible. And it was kind of less intense than, than predicted. So how did you know whether or not to believe the, the bomb cyclone, you know, warnings and the dire predictions for this storm? And how did you prepare uh, for your storm coverage and response? Well, just like any other disaster, I believe the experts. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But why not prepare and be ready for it versus, you know, taking off guard? And the maps, you know, all the weather expert maps showed this, uh, you know, the cyclone, the circle circling and towards us that we had never seen before. They said it was going to be something uh, similar to 2017, which was prior to the wildfires. Uh, We started to see the water levels rise, the rivers widen, and the amount of calls were coming in nonstop. And I can tell you one day in particular, uh, was that Wednesday that it was just nonstop calls uh, every second, maybe five, 10 calls. Um, You know, every five minutes they'd say, you know, we've got three backed up calls. You can see that the power is still out today for four, you know, four days straight for some folks, maybe five. Um, PG&E map is widespread. The amount of trees everywhere, um, the road closures, um, you could see it on the Caltrans live cameras that the water were starting to rise on the roads. Uh, water going into people's houses and um, trees on ha- on people's houses. And just like any other disaster, some people could say, well, I expected more. Well, you know, it might have been damaging for some in some parts of the city, especially the coast. Um, like Kate had mentioned, the coast was getting hit extremely hard to the point um, that they, you know, the workers, the first responders were getting taxed. They'd have to close the road because they could not uh, clear that many trees in that amount of time before somebody else would come down the road. Um, so I, I believe, you know, we need to listen to the experts. If the sheriff's department says prepare, um, the U.S. Weather Service says we need to prepare, then, you know, why not? Why not take that precaution? And how do you advise people to prepare? I mean, we do have a storm coming up. Uh, I think it's supposed to start tomorrow, um, if you can kind of if you can describe it as stopping and starting or we're still sort of in some blustery weather, but um, how should people prepare from what you saw from this last event? 
what are the most important things that people should have ready? Right. And I think you could start preparing and, and teaching your family at any age. You know, my young son will go around the house and collect every flashlight in the house and he will make sure that the batteries are working and the flashlights in good order and all the flashlights are in one location. So if the power goes out, we know where to access those and take them to the rooms and they're all different sizes. So it's a really simple thing to do to make sure you have working flashlights. It's, it's kind of discouraged to use candles these days um, as your last resort, obviously, um, with fires. And then a sandbags. Lots of fire departments were taking it upon themselves. You know, Red Valley, Calpella Fire Department, Hopland, Fort Bragg, Willits. The county of Mendocino was doing a great job of letting people know the list of locations to get sandbags. Um, so that you can put them there. Uh, staying off the roads if you don't need to. Uh, a lot of alerts. I believe our highway board sign said, you know, stay off the road unless you need to on those two days. Um, that's a way that you can prepare. Uh, making sure that you have non-perishable food. You're keeping the fridge and the freezers closed if the power does go out. Uh, keeping your cell phones charged if you need to communicate to people. Maybe you need emergency services, the laptops charged. So those are just a few of the ways. Um, water on hand is also another one. Some people like myself, if the power goes out, the well goes out. So if you'd like to have some fresh, clean water and you're stuck trapped in your home, you know, just having extra gallons of water on hand. Good advice. And some of the places where you can, uh, in this lull between, between events, weather events, where you can get sandbags or hopland. Um, there's, I, there's a sandbag station at the corner of Highway 101 and Highway 175. Um, uh, in Fort Bragg, sandbags and sand are available at the Fort Bragg Fire Department in the rear there at 141 North Main Street. Freedman's in Ukiah has sandbag equipment available. Um, in Redwood Valley, like you said, the Redwood Valley Fire Station. In Willits, it's at the Willits Justice Center on, on East Commercial Street in Willits, 125 East Commercial. Laytonville Fire Station has sandbags. And in Covalo, at the Covalo High School, the intersection of Airport and Howard near the tennis courts. And you know why I know this? I know this because you posted it, Danila. And I just like and and Mendocino Voice as well. I just refresh you throughout, you know, on my web browser throughout the events and um just keep track of of what's what you're posting. And so one of the questions, first of all, I just want to thank you. I want to thank all three of you with just so immensely for all of the work that you do during these storm events to keep us informed. It's hard to find this information. Um, and I wonder if you could give us some insights into how you do it. Kate, let's start with you and, and then we'll hear from Lauren and then we'll finish up with Danila. Well, firstly, credit where credit is due. Uh, Sarah Sturch, who also works for the Mendocino Voice, has been super instrumental in having all of those updates similar to what Danila does around different resources, different road closures, scanner information, just like anything that's coming through. She has really been amazing at um, at keeping us all posted on that on mendovoice.com, which is awesome. And 
Like I said, some of that is through listening to police scanners and emergency scanners and synthesizing that information. There are also um, great maps through Caltrans and the Department of Transportation and PG&E, where you yourself can also look for road closures, look for power outages, um, different helpful info about how the storm is progressing here. And then for me personally, and I'm about to, to do this once we're done talking, I find it super helpful to call the National Weather Service and just talk to somebody there and ask them to specifically break down the Mendocino County area and, um, you know, different spots inland on the coast, different rivers and creeks, what exactly they're seeing and their kind of takeaway from uh, that data. And they also on their website will post um, discussion of the weather, which is often more information, more in depth around specific locations and more, um, I don't know, kind of like qualitative human terminology than necessarily just looking at a graph. And so I find that helpful for providing weather updates, but also I think it's it's something anybody could use to just find more information about your area. That's the National Weather Service? Mm-hmm. Yeah, National Weather Service Eureka. Great. And Lauren, what about you? How do you, What are your go-to sources and how do you manage and have the stamina to keep the constant updates for your listeners on KMUD? You know, it takes a community, it takes a team at KMUD. We have an amazing emergency response team. You know, we kind of keep our finger on the pulse of the community. Um, folks, We, you know, we're 91.1, not 911, but our community, you know, does frequently stay in touch with us and kind of gives us an idea on what, you know, everyone at large is thinking. And so then we kind of activate, right, you know, with this storm, uh, we started getting an influx of calls at 5 a.m. So we knew it was time to activate our emergency response team to, you know, help the DJ kind of answer those phone calls and get the information. Um, you know, the National Weather Service is an amazing tool. You know, they are our officials. Um, they are willing to go on the record with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, they've been amazing, which I, I spoke with Matthew Kidwell, the uh, warning uh, coordinator for the National Weather Service in Eureka. And, you know, he wanted to let folks know that there is another round of rain coming with wind. Not going to be as strong as the last one, but, you know, gusts up to 50 miles per hour, especially along the ridges of Mendocino County. So stay tuned for that and, um, you know, prepare and hunker down and um with this emergency reporting, there is a level of preparedness for us broadcasters and reporters, you know, and it's making those connections with officials and building those lines of communication. I know uh, Sheriff uh, Matthew Kendall reached out uh, to KMUD and just said, hey, you know, let's let's go into this storm as a unified voice. And um, as soon as there was issues, uh, we were in touch with the sheriff's office um, we are in touch with all the volunteer departments. And, you know, you don't really just make those connections during an emergency. It takes time to to cultivate those relationships. So when it is time to uh, disseminate critical information to the community, um, you're ready to go. All right. Thank you. That's absolutely true. Sheriff Kendall did reach out to KZYX as well, too. And that makes all the difference when you have a proactive um, government 
folks who who want to get the information out there in every way possible. And there's just so many ways right now. We're in an unprecedented time in terms of the amount of information. And in a disaster, it can be very hard to sift through it and figure out what's accurate and what's timely because, you know, the way the algorithms work on all the social media sites, you're sometimes getting reports from three days ago um, in your feed. And so, yeah, Danila, how about you? When you, when, when you get, when you start to get calls, what does that mean for you? And what, what then is your sort of emergency response? Yeah, I mean, I could agree with what, you know, Kate and Lauren had said as well. A lot of what they do, we do. We also rely on the community. I rely on the community. And a big part of that is, you know, we all almost have 30,000 members in the group format of Mendocino Action News. And so a lot of those people contribute and help out. It's kind of a co-op. And it's really nice to have that so they can kind of have eyes around the county because our county is pretty large in a sense. And, you know, parts are hard to get to, like an hour and a half out to the coast, for example. So they can post photos of that tree down or the conditions there or the flooding um, situation. And I also, you know, we share from other news sources such as, you know, KMED and Mendocino uh, Voice, uh, KZYX. Um, I rely heavily on other social media. So I do a lot of scrolling on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else and, you know, rely on those that are there um, on site and have the expertise and the knowledge to, you know, give that uh, update, say the sheriff's department or the fire department. Um, I think she had talked about the South Coast was, you know, just really relaying information of, you know, we're clearing this roadway today and this is what we're doing. Um, so it's really nice to give them that firsthand experience. Um, Have you spoken directly with any of the first responders about um, how they're doing right now and how they're preparing for this this weekend? Well, I think they're still doing a lot of catch up, yeah. but there is some preparation. I know that PG&E put a news release out that they're, you know, continuing to work at it and preparing for the next one. Um, you know, a lot of the fire departments, like I already mentioned, have more sand on hand. Um, Cal OES, you know, is relying on either state or themselves to be prepared. Um, we're through the holidays, so that will help out, I believe. That was the hardest part was there was, you know, Christmas and New Year's Eve. So when things were happening, a lot of places were closed. Um, but yeah, I, I, it'd be a nice break for those first responders right now. I, I really felt that they, a lot of them were getting taxed. Um, as you heard that PG&E was on a stand down for a bit, um, extreme weather and just nonstop calls. So hopefully we're, we ha they have that moment to collect themselves and, and get ready for the next one. I think our county and surrounding counties are pretty experienced with disasters. Uh, they're getting better and better on how to alert the public. So that's been nice. Yes. And um, you guys, all of you are playing a huge role in that. And like I said before, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, it's just such unsung work. And it's, I mean, I, I literally rely on you for hours and hours in real time to get that information out to our listeners when a storm event is happening, like what happened this week. So um, all love, all praise. Um, let's go ahead and let listeners know how they can access your amazing reporting as we launch into this weekend's wet weather. Um, Danila and then Kate and then Lauren. Yeah. So Danila Sands here, Mendocino Action News. We have a page and a group format where it's more the community can contribute to. Uh, we are on uh, Twitter as well. 
Okay. Yeah, for uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. So it's a it's a social media platform, uh, Mendocino Action News Facebook page, and on Twitter. And then go and ahead, Kate. The, yeah. Mendocino Voice. The best way to access our content, always the fastest way, is just by the website, which is mendovoice.com. We also are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and so you can find our stuff there. Yeah, well. and one of the things that's great about your coverage is that you kind of keep one one article going with updates and they have um, they have the timestamp there so you can go back and see the earlier updates but you're sort of up to the minute you know 941 kind of things like you let us know exactly when you've updated and con- are consistently updating through the, the through the storm so that's great it's a really useful format and then Lauren how can people follow your coverage do you have any sort you know, of like top of the hour coverage or you know when people should turn the radio on or is it just sort of all the time Absolutely. You know, I was going to say, of course, we have the social media feed, KMUD News, um, which is different than the just Redwood Community Radio pages. And, uh, you know, during those critical moments, we provide top of the hour reports. You know, if breaking news comes in, we will break into the broadcast and let listeners know and then kind of summarize at each top of the hour. So folks are pretty used to, you know, during an earthquake, during a storm, fire season, um, you know, when when the moments matter, um, you know, we're there live on the air. So, and of course, at 11 and 3 p.m. every day, we do a full synopsis weather report, community safety and awareness report um, on KMUD, which in Mendocino County is 88.1. But of course, also tune into our sister station like you are right now, KZYX. Great information there, too. And probably KMUD streams live on the internet as well we sure do at kmud.org awesome okay so thank you all three of you lauren's going to stay on the line we're going to talk about the earthquake that struck humboldt county on december 20th and you're reporting on kmud about the aftermath um kate fishman of the mendocino voice and danila sands of mendocino action news thank you so much for keeping us up to date and we'll be following you this weekend Thank you, Alisa. All right. Take good care. So stay tuned. When we come back, we will talk about the Humboldt County earthquake. And this is Byline Mendocino. I'm your host, Alicia Bales. And today we're talking about local disaster coverage. Uh, And on the line with me is Lauren Schmidt of the news director for KMUD News. And she uh, was on the line within moments, on the air within moments after the 6.4 magnitude earthquake that struck Humboldt County on December 20th. It was uh, a state of emergency. Aftershocks continue. Even this morning, there was an aftershock. So Lauren, thank you so much again for your coverage. But I really, really want people to know um, what you did. <laughs> it was <laughs> remarkable. So let's start with the story of the earthquake. Obviously, you're in Humboldt. You experienced it. What happened? Yeah, so, you know, just like everyone else, I was uh, in bed enjoying, uh, you know, some good rest time, and all of a sudden I heard an alarm go off, um, and that was because we had the MyShake app downloaded onto our phones, and I want to encourage all California residents to download that app, just look up MyShake, and it's a California early alert system, and by early alert, we're talking a handful of seconds. You know, you cannot predict earthquakes. Um, just like everyone else, I was in bed. I hear this alarm. 
And at first I thought it was a, our, our lightning kind of tracker, which also has an alarm. And I thought, huh, it's raining. I should turn my lightning tracker off. And then by, by the time I finished that thought, my entire bed started to violently shake. And, you know, this is 2.35 in the morning. So, you know, kind of confusing. And then realizing, oh, my goodness, this is an earthquake. Time to launch into action. Um, you know, immediately calling our studio. And one of the best things I love about community radio and public radio is we tend to have live engineers, um, again, 24-7. Uh, Carrie Morgan, our amazing overnight DJ who actually lives on the Mendocino coast. So shout out to Kerry if he's listening. He was uh, doing his overnight programming. And so when I called at 2.35, he was there and said, Lauren, thank goodness. Every, you know, the, the phone lines are, are flooded. People want to know what happened. And, you know, from that moment, how do you find out the correct information to inform the public? Um, my go-to, and luckily, you know, I was still able to access the internet um, and we'll talk about that, what happens if you are unable to. Um, but luckily, I was able to access the Internet and go to the USGS website where it said, yes, that was a 6.4 magnitude earthquake. You know, I think it initially came in as a 6.5 and was just slightly downgraded to that 6.4, which is pretty common during an earthquake. And um, the epicenter being closer to the coast. I live a little more inland, so I knew how violently I felt it, and I knew the community closer to the coast just, you know, we didn't know. I just knew there was absolutely going to be devastation. Um, so kind of just getting on the air immediately, letting people know, um, you know, the magnitude. Um, we were able to quickly learn that there was not a tsunami warning or advisory. So just kind of immediately getting that out there and having a voice on the radio, you know, letting Carrie know that stay calm, you know, maybe don't play any stressful music, you know, um, you know, try to try to remain calm and um, continue to disseminate what we know. And I'm not sure if you're aware, Lisa, but Humboldt County is considered the most seismically active region in the contiguous United States. And we are absolutely lucky. We have Lori Dangler. She's an emeritus professor of geology at Cal Poly Humboldt, and is known around the world as an earthquake expert. Um, she has been an integral part of our response. And um, what I was mentioning earlier in the, the previous segment is disaster response, there's a major element of preparedness and building connections. And at KMUD, we have our emergency preparedness team. We meet monthly um, you know, we go through hypothetical situations and what that response looks like. And we usually have a keynote speaker. You know, Sheriff Kendall has been featured on there, um, the OES uh, leader from Mendocino County. But uh, most recently, we had Lori Dangler, our earthquake expert. And, you know, we kind of try to dial in what would we do during a, a large earthquake? What does that response look like? Well, and with you Lori had that case for the before December 20th? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we prepared. Good we, for you. You know, I'm, we're very lucky to have Lori Dangler. You know, and the thing is, like I mentioned, we have many, many earthquakes here, right? Most of them are four and lower, um, you know, so they don't always make the news. It's just a common factor of living in Humboldt County, living on shaky ground, as Lori Dangler calls it. Right? Can we you have, explain why that is? Why is Humboldt County so so seismically active? 
Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm not a geologist or a seismologist, um, but I can let you know that the lost coast between Petrolia and Shelter Cove, right? When I mentioned we have Cape Mendocino, it's not in Mendocino County. It's off the coast of Humboldt County. We have the Mendocino Triple Junction. And that is where there is a lot going on there, uh, to say the least. You know, the Gorda Plate, the North American Plate, and the Pacific Plate all meet in the Pacific Ocean right there. And they're also linked to the Cascadia Subduction Zone and the San Andreas Fault. So there's a lot. You know, a lot of people think, um, you know, people are like, oh, the faults. I'll look at all these faults. You know, it's the fault. Well, actually, it's the plates. Um, and Lori Dangler, you know, does a really good job of explaining that. Um, on their um, Facebook page, which is the Redwood Coast Tsunami Working Group. So if folks want to learn more about that, they can absolutely go there. Um, but, you know, because we understand the real possibility of having large earthquakes, we are in touch with Lori Dangler on, on a fairly regular basis. You know, when we do get those earthquakes that, you know, they're maybe in the four range, but they gave folks a pretty good shake depending on the epicenter. We, you know, we feature Lori Dangler um, live on the air within moments, and then, of course, in the news where we're kind of recapping and sharing preparedness tips. And just like the 6.4 on December 20th, 2.35, the earthquake happened. We're instantly on the air getting updates, and then Lori Dangler shortly after that received a call at 2.40 in the morning and graciously joined us live multiple times doing on-the-spot hourly updates. Um, and that's the thing, you know, information during, especially an earthquake, right, damage assessments, um, injuries, and stuff like that, you, you're not going to know that right away. Um, but Lori looks to um, an earthquake that actually happened in Chile, which kind of shares um, similar geology to our region. And they had a um, eight magnitude earthquake that devastated uh, Santiago. And there was a radio station there who was able to be that voice. Um, they were actually off air for about a couple hours due to infrastructure failure, but they were able to, to be that voice and that connection between officials and disseminating information. And so Lori and I, um, going off their model and knowing that sometimes during those stressful moments, it's just nice to know that there's a live person on the radio that's aware of the situation and is going to be able to give you that information um, that is accurate and can keep the community informed. Yeah, I think Mendocino Triple Junction is the phrase of the year. I never heard of it before this year, but it's um, it's something that we are learning a lot about, how those plates are all sort of colliding in this one spot, as you said, up there north of Shelter Cove, between Shelter Cove and Petrolia, and it's uh, it's affecting a lot of the landscape, um, not just earthquakes, but also the geology of the area in really interesting ways. Um, but let's get back to December 20th. Um, after you were shaken awake and called Lori Dengler and got on the air within five minutes to let people know what just happened and what the aftermath and what, what, you know, I'm sure the aftershocks were continuing throughout the morning. Um, there was actually, like you said, quite a bit of devastation, including 
two deaths, um, many houses shaken to the point of uh, major destruction of the houses, and the bridge in Ferndale, uh, Fernbridge, also shut down. Can you can you just talk about the immediate effects, and then I'd love to know in the last sixteen days, like how things have progressed, if the bridges are open, how the storm has you know compounded the effects of the earthquake and, and that kind of stuff. How is what happened in the moments right after, and then how is Humboldt doing? Absolutely. You know, there's there's a lot going on. And uh, just so you know, there was actually another large earthquake on New Year's Day that caused additional damage, followed by this storm. You know, the community um, in the Rio del Fortuna area, you know, they're they're fatigued, to say the least, disaster fatigued. Um, but going back to that morning, getting that information out, right, we have Lori on between 2.40, 3 a.m., um, I'm, you know, fully waked by this point, I'm trying to continue to gather information. And, you know, this is a plug for why public and community radio is so important. You know, we really are, at times, first responders when it comes to information. You know, um, there, there's this thing, you know, people are kind of at odds right now with Twitter. Um, but I'm not sure if the public is aware of this, but officials, um, whether that's the sheriff's office, National Weather Service, most of the immediate information is disseminated on Twitter. Um, you know, I didn't have a Twitter before I became a reporter, and it's been such an amazing tool. You know, our sheriff's office, um, we have Humboldt Alert. I know Mendocino has Mendo Ready. We didn't actually receive a Humboldt Alert from OES until three hours after the fact, um, you know, which I've been speaking with uh, the sheriff and other OES representatives on how um, you know, in the future, they're going to maybe have a little more timely information. Um, one of our, uh, the public information officer for the sheriff's office, uh, big credit to Samantha Cargis. She was on Twitter, um, you know, uh, giving information for members of the press. Um, but, you know, for the public at large with our alert system, you know, it was a three-hour delay, which is why public community radio is such a critical piece um, in emergency response. Um, you know, whether that's earthquakes, fires, floods, um, you know, wild storms, et cetera. Um, so, you know, eventually uh, OES became activated. We're continuing to do updates because aftershocks happen. Um, you know, there was a magnitude 9 earthquake in Japan about 10 years ago. There are still aftershocks related to that earthquake. So depending on the magnitude, the more aftershocks you're going to have, where this 6.4 earthquake on December 20th, we have had over 200, probably nearing 300 aftershocks since then. And the largest being the 5.4 magnitude earthquake on New Year's Day at 10 a.m., um, which has actually caused an equal amount of damage and has displaced residents. Really? Um, absolutely, which is Extremely unfortunate. Um, just a quick tally here. That first December 20th earthquake, um, you know, we had county planners and building inspectors. Um, you know, once OES got, got, got launched, people from all over the county and different city jurisdictions responded to Rio Dell, which was really the epicenter and faced the most damage, which people are looking as to why that is because other communities, uh, Fortuna, Petrolia, we're an equal distance away from the epicenter. However, Rio Dell 
is was described as ground zero. Um, so people are looking into why that is. Um, there may be some socioeconomic things at play there, but during that first December 20th, there were 26 homes red tagged, um, and different structures got different classifications. There was green tag, which you can imagine is green light, you're good to go. Yellow tag, which, um, you know, there's an issue, the building may not be totaled, um, but it's also not necessarily safe. So folks who received a yellow tag were able to gather some belongings, um, but then would have to to um, stay out of that building, right? And I know the Community Resource Center received a red, ta- or pardon me, a yellow tag, and that was difficult. You know, these are the folks trying to um, get food and blankets out to folks, and they're basically, you know, homeless. They're, they're now doing that out of the back of their vehicles. Um, so yellow tag and then a red tag, which basically means totaled, you know, a total loss. And so December 20th resulted in 26 homes being red tagged. Wow. And all of the inspections were about 90% completed. And then New Year's Day, 54 it resulted in 20 additional red tags, almost doubling, right? In Rio Del? And in Rio Del, but one of, wow. you know, and that's just buildings, right? And so one of the buildings was a 49-unit apartment. And so our number of displaced residents tripled. Um, we're looking at 170, 190 displaced residents, and that 49-unit apartment um, you know, has been serving as Section 8 housing for some of our vulnerable community members who are now virtually, you know, houseless. Wow. Um, and there is, you know, Red Cross has activated, there is a shelter, um, you know, and also within the city of Rio Delta, it's had other consequences. Um, we are going to air a story tonight on the Cayman Local News from the Rio Delta City Council that stated there was severe infrastructure damage to the water systems and their reserve tanks are now depleted and their ability to fight fires are are extremely hampered. I mean, which, which is a very dangerous situation. You know, when you're thinking of outages, um, especially in Rio Del, there's gas lines. Um, so when the power was out um, for days, you know, PG&E worked tirelessly to recover the power. But when, you know, I was actually there the moment power was recovered um, at uh, the Rio Del Volunteer Fire Department, speaking with uh, disaster victims and uh, volunteer firefighters. And, you know, I'm in the middle of, of interviewing one of the, the firefighters, and the, all of a sudden, I uh, supervisor, our second district supervisor, Michelle Bushnell, she goes, Lauren, they just turned the power on. And as soon as she finished that breath, we heard a couple major booms and instantly saw smoke at different houses. So... These firefighters were like in the mo- in the midst of giving out water, giving out blankets to oh my goodness, here's three fires within 20 minutes, you know. And again, likely due to the power being restored and things maybe being off tiltered, right? Like let's say it was the middle of the night, you had a heater plugged in uh-huh. and it toppled over, but the power was off. So when that power returns, if your heater still toppled over, that could start a fire, you know. Wow. That's you know, that's just a hypothetical. That's not actually, you know, what happened in these moments is still undetermined. So it was really an all hands on deck for Rio Del Volunteer Fire Department. So I guess that that's why they give the advice to if the if your power's been knocked out. 
to unplug major appliances while the power's out, like heaters and, and toasters and Absolutely. things like that. Yeah, that, Absolutely. That, that makes sense. Um, what kind of damage what happened to the houses in Rio Del that caused them to be red tagged? Did they slide off their foundations or, or what? Exactly, exactly. Sliding off the foundations. And um, it's, it's interesting. We have um, a volunteer um, individual. I call her my news goddess, uh, Lois Cordova. She's very much like Danila Sands. Uh, she kind of monitors scanner traffic and um, helps us kind of, you know, for that breaking stuff. That's an emergency situation. She activates and she lives in Rio Del and found herself in the middle of this emergency. And, you know, once our team, um, you know, got, got going at KMUD, um, you know, I was able to drive to Rio Del and, you know, kind of help evacuate her from her own home. You know, she's a older uh, individual, um, older abled, and she was unable to even leave her bedroom. Um, the damage was, was so incredible there, you know, everything shelves and everything knocked over. So, and, and looking at her house, you know, many community members are facing uh, cracks in drywall. And, you know, if you're not a carpenter, you're not exactly sure what that means. So there was a lot of stress and um, with the, you know, different uh, buildings off of their foundation, you know, folks are, are kind of on edge. Um, and again, you know, as soon as they complete these assessments, um, like I said, from going to the December 20th to the January 1st, you know, folks were, oh, okay, we completed the assessments and then boom, another 5.4, it starts all over again. And, um, you know, folks have really, really been doing their best to prepare. You know, one community member uh, was sharing photos of their destruction on social media, and I said, hey, you know, maybe next time, like, I can, you know, give you tips on how to um, secure that piece of furniture. And she goes, Lauren, it was it was bolted to the wall. So, um, you know, you can do your best to prepare, which people have been doing great, and we can touch on that too before we go. Um, but when when the ground starts to shake and, uh, again, our local earthquake expert stated that the that uh, the violent shaking that folks experience in Rio Del is about as intense and violent as an earthquake can get and that the magnitude doesn't necessarily represent um, the the amount uh, of shaking like the, the ground physical experience have. of it. Exactly, like the, the violence of it. Um, it speaks to potentially how long it occurs, but maybe, you know, like this is as worst as you could possibly feel, uh, according to our local emeritus professor of geology. I wonder, as you're talking about this, um, uh, about what it's like to know it could just happen at any time after having experienced the January 20th uh as you say, it's violent. It's just shocking. It wakes you up in the middle of the night. Um, and then it just continues in different magnitudes randomly. I wonder what it's like yeah. living psychologically living with that. And as you said, like there's a tons, tons of different things to do to prepare. Um, but, but how do you just kind of keep yourself sane? You know, and I think it's different for each individual, right? Um, you know, the Department of Health and Human Services actually placed um, mental health professionals in the Rio Del community for people to talk to. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of PTSD. You know, earthquake fatigue is, is real. And, you know, folks are talking about moving. You know, they don't want to live um, 
where the ground could do that at any given moment, right? And you can't predict earthquakes. Like, that's just not a possibility. Um, but for me, I can, you know, I can speak for myself. And because of I get to be um, that kind of liaison between officials and the community, and because we have many earthquakes, I, you know, have done probably over a hundred different interviews uh, with professionals about earthquakes. And so I feel like the more I know, the better I feel about it. You know, so when the ground starts to shake, it's not a panic of, oh my goodness, what do I do? It's, oh, this, you know, I'm prepared um, to ride this out. It will end, right? Um, And when we look at injuries during earthquakes, there's two common things associated with fatal injuries during an earthquake. Um, The first is running. Um, I I think the older generation was taught that door frames are the safest place to be. That is outdated. Um, So, you know, we see folks running. There's dash cameras, um, you know, the door cameras, ring cameras of showing folks running as soon as it starts to shake. That is, according to data, absolutely the most dangerous thing a person could do. Um, The serious injuries we've seen during earthquakes or occur due to running. And Humboldt County, we actually saw 17 different injuries. Um, they haven't, we don't have any information at this time what, um, what those look like, right? Also, um, folks running outdoors. When, when you go to Rio Dell and you look around, the major infrastructure damage you can see is from brick chimneys falling outside. So, you know, with um, building codes and the way houses are currently structured, your house is probably one of the most safest places to be inside, right? Um, so running is one of the most dangerous things. And then also heart attacks, which the two fatalities Humboldt County saw were both medical emergencies. And that's actually really common during an earthquake. You know, they're stressful. Um, and I know we're, we're reaching the top of the hour, so I just want to let folks know that there is a golden rule of earthquakes, and it's drop, cover, and hold on. You know, let's say you're sitting at a desk, you feel the ground start to shake, stay calm, drop to the ground, get under your desk. But as Lori Dengler, our emeritus professor of geology, would say, she goes, sometimes doing absolutely nothing is better than, than you know, trying to get up and do something, right? And then it's looking around your home. Um, you know, again, after speaking with Lori, I, and by the way, Lori says I can channel her at any moment, which I've been doing a whole lot <laughs> recently. But, you know, looking at my own home, I'm saying, oh, I love this beautiful begonia in this potted plant above my bed, you know, near my head. No, like, yes, you can have house plants, but maybe don't put them, you know, above your bed where you're sleeping or above, you know, where you sit, you know, earthquake proof your home, uh-huh. you know, there's anything that you could can put on your cabinet. Yes, absolutely. So there's many things you can do and there's so many tips, right? Um, folks can go to just if you uh, search online to the Redwood Coast Tsunami Working Group, um, it'll bring you to a Cal Poly Humboldt website. And there's a publication called Living on Shaky Ground. And it is a complete comprehensive guide on what to do to prepare for earthquakes and tsunamis. And, you know, even though Humboldt County is home to the, the Mendocino Triple Junction, you know, Mendocino County will also experience earthquakes and potentially tsunamis. So I really encourage folks, again, to search Living on Shaky Ground online. And the more you know, um, you know, the, the more, the better you will feel about um, surviving an earthquake. Um, you know, knowledge is power, as I say. And 
Um, you know, we, we fear the things we don't know. So get, get to know earthquakes and you might even be wild like me and learn to enjoy them. Right. The awesome power of Mama Earth. Um, real quick, Absolutely. you know, in just 10 seconds or so, I heard that, um, Fernbridge had sustained some pretty serious damage. Is it reopened and how is the storm impacting the bridge? But we have very, very few seconds here. Yeah, absolutely. So at this time, it is open to one-way control traffic. It had some minor cracks. Um, Caltrans is continuing to monitor it. And speaking of cracks, so did the homes in Rio Del. So with this recent storm, you know, um, folks that are able to stay in their homes are now experiencing leaks and other sorts of oh, other disaster-related stuff. So one thing after another, but everyone here on the North Coast is extremely resilient. And between KZYX and KMUD, we'll keep folks informed and let them know where the best resources and information can be found. All right. That's going to do it. Lauren Schmidt of KMUD News. Thank you for all of your coverage, for all of what you provide for our communities to keep us safe, to keep us calm, to give us that knowledge that makes us not feel powerless, to give us knowledge is power. Thank you. Thanks so much. And thanks Thank for being you. here today on KZYX. All right. Happy New Year. It's been a pleasure. And Thank that's going to do it for Byline Mendocino. I've been your host, Alicia Bales. I'll be back in two weeks with more local news, local newsmakers, and local journalists. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend. Stay dry. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.